Hello, readers. Coming up, it's my chat with Sean Baker on Red Rocket. First, I wanted to remind you to check out our website at booksonpod.com. While there, you can sort through past shows by episode number, book or movie title, author or filmmaker's last name, or sort by subject. For instance, select the biographies and memoirs, film, TV, and performing arts, or humor category for episode number 82 with Matthew McConaughey on Green Lights. Hey everybody, Matthew McConaughey here, talking Green Lights. You are listening to Trey Elling, Books on Pod, Green Lights. Hey, the red and yellow ones eventually turn green, so can we all go out there today, tomorrow, and the day after that, creating and catching more of them for ourselves and others. In the meantime, in all times, let's just keep living. Hello, readers. Sean Baker is a filmmaker whose credits include The Florida Project, Tangerine, and his newest film, now out in theaters, titled Red Rocket, starring Simon Rex. Sean, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Great. Great to be here. It's my pleasure. So for people who are unfamiliar, what is Red Rocket? Red Rocket is the story of Mikey Saber, who is a former adult film performer who returns to a small town in Texas to reunite with his ex because he's found himself down and out and uh, things don't go quite as expected. All right. And uh, Texas City is the locale that you chose. Why Texas City? I've driven through that town countless times and have never thought that a film should be shot there. (laughs) Well, Texas City spoke to me uh, for many reasons. We were actually exploring refinery towns up and down the coast. And um, when I drove into Texas City, I saw this big water tower that said Texas City, the all-American city. And that was the first thing that said to me, hmm, maybe you should be uh, making a a film about, you know, small town America here. Um, But then we started discovering the, you know, the history, learning about the history of the area. in ways of very sad and dark history with the explosion from 1947, the hurricane from Galveston and um, the, you know, the, the Texas killing fields, that whole area seemed to have like this, uh, this, this sort of looming darker history. And, and that, that sort of complemented the, 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 what we were doing with the, the theme of, of history in, in the film. So, um, and then on top of that, visually, um, when you're in Texas city or at least sections of Texas city, it really just feels like you are surrounded by the refineries and it's quite a visual site. So on a cinematic level, it was, um, it was like a, you know, a filmmaker's dream to shoot that. Yeah. You did a great job of using those refineries as a background character throughout the film. Now this movie stars Simon Rex. Yes. That's Simon Rex. And he does a phenomenal job as a, uh, washed up, porn star. He's a devious charmer who goes back home. And really anybody who spent time around him 20 plus years ago is on to his games, but he finds some folks who maybe idolized him in the past or just don't know any better to try and get his hooks back in to suck them dry as well. And Simon was phenomenal in this role. How did you end up casting him as the lead? I actually have been watching him for a few decades. (laughs) We're about the same age and I've watched his career. He's always entertained me. He's always made me laugh. Um, and it was around the, uh, remember that app called Vine where mm-hmm. you could put up six seconds of video? Well, he was doing it all the time and he was making me laugh. And I knew then I was like, you know, this guy 
deserves a dramatic role. I can see it that he he understands it's more than just comedy. He he knows how to deliver a line in a dramatic way. And and so when uh, Red Rocket rolled around, we um we reached out to him. Simple as that. I knew he would be perfect for it. And it's hard to pick a member of the secondary cast who uh, shines as brightly as Simon because the secondary cast uh, is phenomenal. That's part of the reason. I don't want to single any one person out, but I do also have to mention Susanna San. She is magnetic. What convinced you that she was the right actor to play Strawberry? You know, I do a lot of my own street casting as well as the traditional type of casting. Um, and she came from street casting, actually. I was at the Arclight Hollywood. We had just seen a film. She, we were leaving. She was coming in. We saw her across the lobby. And she has that it quality, that undefinable, you know, uh, aura that you just, that you see in superstars. And I think we were just drawn to her. This was three years ago. This was two years before we shot. And we just approached her and I told her who I was and I directed these independent films. I think she recognized one of the titles. And so, um, and we exchanged information, um, but just kept, like kept her information knowing that someday we'd work with her. And then Red Rocket rolled around. We had this character of Strawberry and we reached out to her and she said, I've been waiting for your call for two years. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, she's, she's incredible. Not only obviously an incredible actor, um, she has an incredible physicality and look. Um, the camera is just it loves her. But on top of that, she's also a skilled musician and can sing and perform and teaches piano. So she's the reason, actually, that we brought the In Sync song into the film because we wanted her to perform something and we wanted to have a uh, you know a, a song that worked contextually as well. So we came up with In Sync. So yeah, she's a she's a gift on many levels. It was cool the different ways that you used that song, including, if I'm not mistaken, playing it backwards at one point. Now, was it difficult to get in sync or the record label to sign off on allowing you to use that song for the film? Uh, well, no, uh, it was pretty painless. I have a wonderful music supervisor by the name of Matthew Smith, who I worked with on Florida Project, got me celebration from Cool and the Gang for that film. And so this was just, uh, this one, I was like, I have another, you know, another uh, number one pop song that you're going to have to get for me. And uh, hey, it worked out. Um, yeah, I know that NSYNC had to literally, each member had to approve. I know that. Uh, so that's interesting. Hmm. And not just with the introduction where you're playing that song, but also throughout the film, you will abruptly cut sound to end scenes. And you do so in a very effective manner both with songs and even with ambient noise as well. Is there a specific film or director who did this that made you want to explore it on your own? You know what? I, I don't know. I think it actually, I'm an editor. I edit my own films and it just became something I started to use a few films back. I think a film called Starlet that I made before Tangerine and it had that same sort of thing. I would, because I, I'm always, uh, I'm always trying to, keep the audience on their toes. And I know that something like that cutting hard out of, from a music track is a very jarring thing. So, um, so and, and we'll keep the audience engaged and wondering what the hell is going on. Cause it's not the normal way of, you know, usually editing is, is invisible. Usually it's, it's, it's supposed to be invisible, but you know, I like to play with uh, different styles. And so this is just something that I've been developing on my own. 
Well, you've nailed it, at least with this film. And I've seen a couple of the other movies that you've just referenced, The Florida Project and Tangerine as well. And a commonality between those two and Red Rocket is uh, taking a closer look at the socioeconomically disadvantaged lifestyle. What is it about this that appeals so much to you when it comes to telling stories? I just think that it my films are perhaps reactions of what I'm not seeing enough of in mm. U.S. film and TV. And when I see portrayals like this, they're usually one-dimensional, and that always bothers me. You know, I I um, I want to uh, if I'm exploring these sort of uh, communities, people who are marginalized, people who live on the the fringes. Um, the last thing I want to do is, is is make them one dimensional. I want them to be fully realized so that, you know, that uh, general audiences can connect with them and just, you know, and find, uh, you know, um, commonalities and 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 also just uh, universal truths in their in their characters and in their behavior. So so it's just something that I, I feel very important. I You know what? It's funny because I always the way that I approach it now is, is like this. If a filmmaker came into my life and said, I want to make a film about your world and I perhaps even want cast you to play somebody with similar life experiences as yourself, I would want that filmmaker to do it in the most respectful, <laughs> responsible way. And, and I would, I would want to, you know, uh, feel good about the, my, my, representation on screen and so that's how i approach other people's stories if you had some say so in the cast for that movie who gets to play you <laughs> i'm in rex <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's fair. So you just uh, talked a little bit about something that is important in the storytelling process for you. Are there any other major keys that uh, are required for you to to truly enjoy telling a story? Well, I think uh, yeah, humor. Humor is a major thing for me because you know it's the it, it's easy. This this film could have been humorless. This this film could have been Big Bad Wolf, Little Lamb, black and white story about sex trafficking and grooming, easy stuff. But life is more complex than that. You know, people have, you know, uh, Strawberry's character is quite complex. She has, she's not exactly who, um, she's not, she, we, we don't portray her character exactly the way some like uh, similar characters uh, like hers have been portrayed in the past. And, and I, and, and we use that by infusing humor. You know, there's a lot of behavioral humor in this. And I think that, um, Often when people are trying to tell film, uh, stories like this, they, they, they shy away from it, uh, perhaps because they think it might be inappropriate. But I think it's very appropriate because, you know, life is comedy and pathos. It's that balance between the two. And if you don't if you don't have one, you're you're simply not being honest. Totally agree. Dark comedies are my favorite. Now, with Strawberry, she looks very innocent. She's not so innocent when you get to know her, but she still has this sort of naivete just because of her age that is required for that story to continue to move along and for Simon's character uh, to continue interacting with her and then leading up to the finale as well. Exactly. Yeah. I, I see her as, you know, she's she might be a mature 17 year old, but he's an incredibly immature, immature 45 year old. So they meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> As somebody who uh, occasionally enjoys smoking a joint, I did appreciate the American flag papers. When did this come to you? And was the irony intended, Sean? Well, the irony was most definitely intended. Um, you know, I am a cinephile and I watch a lot of movies from all different genres and 
countries. And, and so this film actually, uh, there was a film called Candy Snatchers from 1973. And, uh, and it's an American film and um, it's uh, the characters would be smoking these, uh, you know, American flag rolling paper cigarettes in the film. And, um, and I just thought it was a great image. So I, I borrowed it to be quite honest. <laughs> All right. Last, I, hey, no, it's uh, uh, imitation is one of the greatest form of flatteries, as they say. All right, last couple of questions here, and I'm going to avoid any spoilers, but I think these questions are important for those who may be curious about the film or maybe somebody afterwards who's wondering, was it a prosthetic? Uh, oh, um, I can't answer that question because Simon... Um, Simon may be able to answer that question, but I, I, I wanna, <laughs> sorry, can't reveal, can't reveal that. Uh, okay. And last question <laughs> for you, Sean, it's interesting to speak with really good storytellers who will also end a story abruptly. And it's not because, well, maybe it is a little bit about screwing with the audience, but it's also understanding that the story doesn't necessarily end at that point. And it's a good thing when you're telling a story to an audience to leave them hanging at the very end. So my question for you, based on Red Rocket and also just what you've done in films throughout your career, is when you end a movie, do you know what happens next? Or when the credits roll, is that it as far as the story goes in your head? I uh, Yeah, I, I'm more interested in in the audience sort of writing their endings, writing their own endings, because as you just said, life doesn't just end, life keeps going. Um, and uh, so for me, yes, I, I have my own idea of what happens to, to Mikey um, at the end. I have my own idea of what happens to two little girls at the end of Florida Project. But it, for me to just literally portray that is, is boring. And it also doesn't allow audience participation. So yes, I do. I have my own version of it. Sometimes my co-screenwriter has a different version of it. Um, and, uh, and hopefully the audience has many different interpretations. Sean Baker is a filmmaker whose credits include Tangerine, The Florida Project, and his newest film, a wonderful dark comedy called Red Rocket, starring Simon Rex. You can check it out now wherever films are seen. Sean, thank you so much for the time today, and thank you for this wonderful movie. Oh, thank you, and uh, thank you for having me on. Join me next time when I speak with former football player Ryan Shazier on Walking Miracle. How faith, positive thinking, and passion for football brought me back from paralysis and helped me find purpose. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. And thanks to you for hanging out. You can listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day. Good day.